Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Small Business Digest on Blog Talk Radio. Now entering its fifth year, this show is hosted by Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Each week he brings you advice and information from experts and small business leaders like yourself. Each show is designed to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas from authors, experts, and small business leaders, just like most of the individuals who make up our audience. Whenever possible, Small Business Digest tests the products and services featured on the show to ensure they are of a quality to help listeners grow their small business. Guests do not pay to appear, but are chosen for their ability to provide ideas and suggestions to improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like what you hear, tell others about the program. If you have a question or suggestion, email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Should you want to join us on this program during our live hour each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, dial 646-929-2337. That's editor at is-incorp.com or 646-929-2337. We're only as good as our guest and audience make us. You know, that last statement is so true. And today we have a really exciting guest, Sharon Brothers. She's from the Institute for Professional Care Education, and she has an on-course learning company and a heck of a lot to say. Sharon, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Don. Well, Sharon, as we ask all our guests, Tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit about your your current company, and where people can learn uh, and your website. Sure. Thank you for the opportunity to share something I'm very excited about and something I'm very passionate about, and that is the highest quality care we can provide for aging um, adults today. And so I started out in the business Actually, I have an advanced degree in social work, and I knew that what I wanted to do with my life was make a difference in senior care. Um, It it happens to be an area that I'm passionate about helping people who have this life history and who've often done these amazing, amazing things, and then they get to the point in life where um, I find myself getting there very quickly as well, where you need a little bit of help. And providing that help with dignity, with respect, with the best care we possibly can is something I've been passionate about all my life. So I was lucky to have opportunities to get involved in assisted living, in long-term care and retirement kinds of settings, and, and ended up building and owning and operating a group of care communities for people with dementia or Alzheimer's care, which is a really, really wonderful kind of environment where you could genuinely make a difference in the lives, not only of the people who lived in our community, but also in their families 
who often would come to us absolutely desperate for some kind of help that preserves the dignity of their loved one, even when they're suffering from memory loss and dementia. And so I did that for, oh, about 15 years and had that opportunity to sell the community that I was communities that I wasn't looking for, um, just sort of happened out of the blue. And it was one of those too good to pass up kind of opportunities. And I said, you know, this is a sign I'm meant to do something different with the rest of my career. And what I did was take all of those years as an, a provider of service and focus that on training the next generation of care providers, not just the hands-on caregivers, but the owners, the operators, the managers, the nurses, the supervisors who managed and built those caregiving teams. And that's been a really exciting journey this last decade of mine, where I've built from notes on a napkin, a training company that literally trains hundreds of thousands of individuals across the globe in how to be the best caregiver they can be. Um, my company was, is the Institute for Professional Care Education, which is a mouthful, so it's ipced.com if you want to go to our website. Um, and we sold this business about a year ago became part of On Course Learning, which is a education company that's many times larger than IPC Ed. Um, and it's an exciting place for me now to watch my company continue to grow as part of a bigger company. So that's, in a nutshell, my journey um, and some of the things that I'm passionate about and, and what we're doing now to help improve the quality of care. and and. Even more importantly, and maybe more in tune with this business, help small businesses do well. Dan, I'm not doing a show. I'll call you back. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry? So right. we're focused I'll, I'll on we're focused on things like helping the small business operator especially the home care operator, be the best they can be. And those are some of the things we're focused on today. Sharon, do you hear me? I do hear you. Do you hear me now? I'm having trouble with yes, my... Yes, I hear Do you hear me? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, that's really interesting. But then let's go. Uh, obviously, small businesses, especially, uh, their main advantage is customer service, is really um, knowing what the customer wants or needs. Um, how do you, when you talk to a group or you have a group, how do you structure um, a, an initial contact so that people have a better um uh, rapport with with potential uh, clients, customers, or even uh, going to back to uh, uh, elder care to the uh, the new patient. Yeah, and I think I think if I understand the questions, what is the most important thing to do is to understand the needs of your audience. So whether I'm talking about someone who could refer new business to me or I'm talking to a group of 
small business owners who want to learn how to grow their business or in talking to a family who's looking for care for their loved one, the very first step in any of those encounters is to understand what the needs are of your audience and, and can you legitimately meet their needs with the product or service, or in my case, the training that we have to provide. And if we can, then it's a perfect match and it is going to meet that person's needs and help them in a fundamental way. If we can't, then the mission is to say, do I know someone? Can I connect them with someone who can better meet their needs? Because any way you do that, it's always a win for the individual or the group you're talking to, but it's also a win for you because you've helped that person meet their needs, whether it's directly or by connecting them with someone else who can meet their needs. And so it's, it's that understanding needs first, and you do that by listening. Lots of questions and listening. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, uh, can I go sideways for a minute and uh, uh, ask a question about the uh, people go to, to shows, to uh, conferences, et cetera, and they walk down the aisles where they see people um, in booths, et cetera. And my, uh, um, my takeaway from every one of them is, uh, A, the booth never explain, uh, booth signage never explains what the product or service is, and the individual, individuals inside the booth somehow don't know how to establish rapport with the, with the passing person. Do you want to talk about that at all? I know this is going sideways for a minute, but it just came across my de desk uh, a question about that. Sure. No, that's one of the things if, if your audience, and I know I do, spend a lot of time at conferences and trade shows and you, we're in those exhibit halls, it can be a hard job. It's frankly one of my least favorite things to do to stand in a booth and wait for people to come by and know that I've got two seconds, not a minute, not the, you know, three minute elevator pitch. You've got two seconds to make rapport with that person. And when I go to trade shows, I usually leave somebody else in the booth and I walk around and meet people where they are, which is usually around the food or the wine, the bar or the beverage area. And then I can have more meaningful conversations. But if you are stuck in those booths, I think the key there is to simply not be aggressive and not be salesy, but just to say hi and just to say, how's your day going? Are you enjoying the conference? You know, one of the most valuable things I find, and very, very, very few businesses do this, is to get myself out and go to some of the training sessions, go to the keynote speaker. So then when somebody comes by the booth, I can say, God, what did you think of that keynote speaker? Wasn't he fantastic? I loved his story about. And then you have commonality with that person right away. And it's not all about me, 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 and what I've got to sell. It's about something that that person may have found interesting too. And then if they're interested in your product or service, you've got some relationships that you've already built. So that's, when, that's the one thing I would say is get out of the booth, get to the sessions, learn what they're learning, and then you have some common ground to talk to people about. You know, you just mentioned the word commonality, which I, I think mm. is such a great word that's little used. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? 
you know, commonality is what we're all looking for in relationships and in communities. It's an interesting thing done in this day and age where we're so technology driven. You know, my kids would far sooner text than talk on a phone. Um, they'll answer a text immediately. But if I have a text exchange and then call them, half the time they won't pick up the phone. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're too busy to pick up the phone, but they're not too busy to text. And there's that connection that's lacking so often in our high-tech-driven world. And yet, at, at our root, I think most of us are starving for those connections. And it's hard to make those connections unless we do find commonalities. And that's where, even though my area of expertise and my professional background is in caregiving, as small business owners, we have all kinds of things in common. We can talk about what a pain it is to go to trade shows and stand at booths, because we have that in common. We can talk about how challenging it is to find the highest quality people to add to your team, because we have that in common. And so those commonalities are, I think, what bridges not only the business-to-business -business gap where you might run a um, group of you know, fast food storefronts and I might run a training education business, that commonality binds us. It also binds us together, and I think it's crucial in this area where technology is such the way we communicate People are starving for human connection. And I think the smart business owner gets that and understands how important it is to find those things that bridge gaps between themselves and the people they're trying to connect with. You're so right. Um, I, I wanted to, I'd like to talk about the. Um, we, we've had a lot of people come onto this program and talk about training and the importance of it and all of that. But how do you go about um, creating the training programs that people will listen to? What are the keys to, to uh, getting people involved in your, in your training programs? Yeah, that's a really good question because we all know training and training is a really good buzzword. And in fact, there's tons of good data that says training programs will help you attract better candidates. They'll help you keep people. They'll help you um, get more referrals and all of those things. But they don't necessarily say what kind of training works. And for me, it is not about just checking a box and offering training. It is about making training that changes people's values, attitudes, and behaviors. And if training isn't doing those three things, it's a waste of your time and a waste of your money. And as you can tell, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I don't miss words on that. I believe that absolutely. Training has to change outcomes or it is not of value. And so then the question is, what kind of training and how do you get training that changes values, attitudes, and behaviors that produces a benefit and outcome? And, you know, I was lucky in starting my business because I had been in the business of caregiving for the last decade and a half. And so I knew what the work was. I knew who my audience was. I knew what their attention span was and their daily workload. 
And I could say, nope, that training's not going to work, or yep, that training's going to work. And one of the things I knew about the people I was trying to create training for was training had to be fun. We could not put one more chore into the hands of caregivers, for example, and say, oh, now you've got to do this on top of everything else you've got to do. It had to be fun. It had to be engaging. It had to make them say, not only have many, many aha moments, and I'm a big, big proponent of aha moments, but it had to be something where they would say, I want to learn more. This was really cool. I want to learn more about that. And so one of the things that we did at the very beginning, um, in, in large part because I was creating and writing a lot of that training, I did not want to write boring data-filled or statistic-filled or here's how to do this step-by-step-filled training. I wanted to write something that was interesting to me to write and something that would be interesting to people to read or to learn about, particularly since we were using online education where you didn't have that opportunity as an instructor with a group of people in all in the same space. And so we started creating online courses that were story-driven and scenario-driven, which means all of our courses tell a story and wrap that knowledge around the story. And I just think storytelling is one of the oldest ways as human beings that we have transmitted knowledge from generation to generation. And if we could base training on stories, A, it'd be a whole lot more fun to, to read and participate in. And what we learned is it's a whole lot stickier too. And that makes it really, really fun, not only to create, but also for our folks who consume it. They say, I want to learn what happened to Maria. I've got to take the next course. Or I'll never forget that story about Marlena. I'm going to really pay attention to that in my work. And so it's sticky too. And, and, and it's fun. That's one of the things we've done with training to make it different, unique, and actually make it change values, attitudes, and behaviors. Does that answer your question about how, what kind of training works, Don? I think that's a really important question and something really important for people to, to understand as they're looking at where to invest their training dollars. Well, um, Sharon, this is so fascinating. Let, let me ask, you, you started a very su- several su- successful business. What are the three things you would tell uh, small business leaders uh, about um, uh, that they should know when starting a business? I don't know if I have three things. I've thought it down and boiled it down, but certainly the it would probably there's good there, I could probably boil it down to three. One is know your business, know it cold. And one of the things that shocks me, frankly, is how many people jump into a business without spending time in the trenches of that work. So, for example, if, if I were going to start a home care business today, I would not start that business until I had worked in a home care agency myself, maybe done caregiving, actually seen how the business works on a day-to-day basis. You have to understand every element. It's sort of like that. What's that undercover boss show where the boss goes in and works on the line and goes, wow, I had no idea this is what the work really felt like. You're not going to be an 
awesome business owner if you don't know what the work really feels like. So that's the first thing. Do your homework. The second thing is obviously have a depth of financial backing so you can weather the storm. No matter how good your business is, and, and you mentioned this, Don, too, is why did I get out of the business of um, owning assisted living in such a time when aging is booming? You know, there's so many businesses that from the outside we say, that business is booming. That industry has to be booming. Look at how many people are getting old. I've got to create a, a, an assisted living community or a home care agency. It's a no-fail proposition. And guess how many of those fail? Because people either don't have the financial depth to weather that startup challenge, and there will be startup challenges, or they don't know the business. The third thing, and this is actually probably the first thing once you've done those two fundamentals, is invest time in building the very best team you can. You know, I learned in having several assisted living communities that my communities were only as good as the people who managed them and the people who provided care. It did not matter how smart I was, how deep my pockets were, or how much I knew about the business. If the people who were actually hands-on providing that service and managing those teams were not the best in the business. If they were the best in the business, my job is easy. I'd go take them to lunch and celebrate everybody's successes. If they weren't the best in the business, I had all kinds of problems. And I learned, I'm going to devote my time anywhere. It is to hiring the best people, training everybody I've got to be the best, and then retention. It's all about retention. So those are the things. If I had to boil it down to three things, those are the three things I'd boil it down to. We're talking with Sharon Brothers. Unfortunately, we have to move on. Sharon, your website again and how people can reach you? www.ipced.com. And you can reach me at just my first initial last name, which is S Brothers at ipced.com. Thanks so much, John, for having me on today. I'm thoroughly enjoying sharing some of the things that I'm passionate about with your audience. Sharon, so, thank you so much. It, it was enjoyable, and you have to come back. I'll be happy to do so. Thank you. Our next guest is Jeanette Kildvad. She's calling in yes. from Denmark. Did I pronounce the name correctly, Jeanette? Yeah, it's it's perfect. Jeanette Kildvad. It's perfect. Well, uh, I often have difficult um, difficulty with, with names, uh, but the, you, you're here. You're a best-selling author. Uh, yes. It's called "You Are Worthier: A Guide to Improving Your Illness or Injury on uh, um, on the Road to Recovery," and you're calling from Denmark, from an island. I happen to love your country. So, Jeanette, tell us where about your island, your country, your book, and everything else. Yes, I come from Denmark, and I come from an island, a green island. It's very beautiful here. Uh, I would say the weather is not perfect today, but it's still green and lovely. And I wrote this book, You Are Worthier, because I was in a bad car accident years ago, and it took me years to recover. 
And um, I felt very lost after the accident. I didn't know what to do and I needed someone or something that could guide me. So when I recovered and I feel well today and I have a great life, I decided to write the book that I needed myself back then um, so that I can help and inspire other people. Okay. And what's your book all about? It's it's a lot of methods, uh, how you can heal yourself, how you can listen to your inner voice, how you can uh, know your symptoms better, because I think that often we contact a doctor or we get a lot of medicine and sometimes we need it, but other, t- other times there's so much we can do ourselves, and especially if we feel stressed, um, that we can also do a lot of that when we listen to our inner voice and we ask ourselves, how can I get rid of the pain or how can I feel more safe or how can I feel more happy? Then it's like our brain start to direct us in new, show us new direction in life. And I find that very inspiring and very interesting. And also, I work as a life coach, and I use the methods from my book. I use them on my clients, and I can see that, especially those who are uh, who suffer from stress and who are sick and injured, that it helps them. So that is why I wrote the book, and that is why I talk with you, because I want people to know that the book exists and that they can find it on Amazon. Um, so, yeah. Okay, Jeanette, give us one example of 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 a technique that you use uh would say someone that's uh, under great stress as so one one of the things is that you stop in life and that you accept that you have stress symptoms because often we we want to run away or we want to hide it or we don't tell people how we feel but it's very important that we that we just you know, are open about it and that we say, yes, I feel stressed now and also that we accept it. And it can be very hard to accept that we have these symptoms, but that is the way where we can say, okay, I want to accept it uh, so that I can look into a bright future, so I can focus on a bright future. And I also want to say that when you accept, that is not the same as giving up. It's more a way for you to say, I accept that I have these symptoms and that I look in new possibilities in life. And the best way I can describe these new life possibilities is that if you imagine that you go outside in the darkness and you look up and you see the stars and you you just see few stars in the beginning, but the longer time you stand there, the more stars you see. I think we have all tried it where we think, where did these stars come from? And that is the same with the life possibilities. The more you look at your life possibilities and skills and personalities, the more you will see. Well, that's very, very interesting. And you say a very interesting point. By admitting it, some people think that they're admitting defeat. And you're saying that's not the yes. case. It's actually a way of releasing stress. Am I hearing you correctly? Yes, yes that, uh, that you have to... What? Excuse me? No, you first. Go ahead. No, sorry. Can you repeat it? No, uh, I was saying I interrupted you. You were about to say something more. Please say it. 
Yeah, it, sorry, it was just that I think it's very important that you focus on your new bright future, that you say if you have been in an accident or if you get sick or you just have to accept that you can't get your old life back, but maybe you will get a life that is even better. That was what I, what happened to me after the accident. I was so sad in the beginning and I I just wanted my old life back. I couldn't I couldn't understand why it happened to me. But then I started to look a new direction and I just saw that there were so many other things that I could do and now my life is better than ever. And that is why I want to take people's hand and say I can guide you and I can guide you into a better life than than, than you may ever expect it. Well, let's, if I may, let me explore it a little bit and ask you this. Um, what did you do before the accident and what are you doing after the accident? Before the accident, I worked with uh, with children um, and I found it interesting. My plan was that I would be a therapist. I wanted to have my own clinic, um, but I, I got so many symptoms after the accident. It was a truck that hit my car on the highway and I hurted my back and my neck and my head and so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't study, I couldn't work for years, um, and I, I just felt that I lost so many skills and that I lost my personality. But then I started writing, and I found out that all these methods, that I, I could go out and inspire people, and today I work as a life coach. And I just feel that if, if the accident hadn't happened, then I... I'm not sure that my life would have been so great as, as it is right now. And, um, and when I work with people, I, I had a, a client and he had so many stress symptoms and he couldn't work and he put on a lot of weight and he didn't eat uh, healthy things. And, and after three, four sessions, uh, we just took small steps and I, I asked him questions like, what makes you happy? What makes you free? What would you do if any, if no one could judge you? And he told me that, oh, I, I want to go out and speak in front of people, and I want to do this and that. And then we changed direction in his life. And he actually called me a few days ago and said I, that he felt so good and that he felt that life was way better now than before he got stressed. So my point is that sometimes bad things happen in our life, but but it's not it doesn't have to be the end of the world and and i just want to say that we can always change direction we just have to see the possibilities you know you are so right that is a very profound statement that uh um i i couldn't agree agree with you more there's a there's a saying here in america if life gives gives you lemons make lemonade and that's what in effect yeah. you're saying Yes. Am I correct? Exactly. Yes, you are. You are correct. But it can be very hard to see it when you suddenly get into an accident or when bad things happen. And I think we have all tried it that we have been in a situation where we think I will never be happy again. And that is that is why I found it so important to write this book as a guidance where I can take people's hand and and lead them from the darkness or the grain gray energy and into the good life again um, because this is what I do for a living here and, and I can see that it works and that it helps so many people. Well, yeah, I can see that. Um, 
How do people find you, and what are the types of people that come to a life coach like yourself? At the moment, it's a lot of businessmen um, who who have stress symptoms. I see a lot of them uh, at the moment. And some of them are so afraid to lose their job. They have worked so hard for their job. And they are, of course, afraid of if I lose my job, then I lose money. And I always tell them that don't be afraid. We just have to stop for a moment and we have to find out what we can do. And there was a businessman and he said that he didn't know why he felt stressed, but he had a lot of stress symptoms. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep at night. But, and what we found out that was that he was never alone. So I said to him, can you find 20 minutes every day where you, where you are at peace and where you go to a lake or the water, you know, the beach? because it has a very healing effect on us people. And he did that 20 minutes every day. And then he said, the session after, he said he, he already felt so much better. So sometimes we just have to take small steps and to see, okay, I can do this. And then when, when it works, then we take another step. You know, that's, that, that's really interesting. I, I, I've heard that from other people, but uh, seldom has somebody has. The name of your book and where people can get it? It's You Are Worthier, and you can find it on Amazon. And my website is uh, com. And you can buy the book as an ebook and a paper book, and you can buy it as an audio book. Hmm. Did, did you do the audio? No, it was a it was a man from England, and he has a very lovely voice. So I I, I chose him because you I, have I a love lovely voice. voice and, oh, thank you. <laughs> that was kind of you. So thank you so much. And you uh, are you you're on an island off of Denmark, and there's some beautiful islands off of Denmark. Well, uh, yes. is it, did you settle here, or were you here originally? Um, tell us a little bit more about your background. I'm, I'm getting emails across my desk, people wanting to know more about you. Yes, I, I had an education three and a half year uh, that took three and a half year, and I work with uh, children and I work with homeless, and uh, I did that for many years, and then I I got a, co- a coaching education. And I, of course, spend a lot of time on this injury uh, after the accident, and now I'm healed, and I have worked as a life coach for a year. So, um, so that is my background. Well, you came to us through um, a, uh, um, a service that I use. What made you decide to try to uh, come here to America and talk about your book? It was because I, I think that there are so many, many people who don't get the help that they deserve. And I just decided that I wanted to go. I was in New Orleans two weeks ago, and I was in Florida uh, two weeks ago where I was in the TV uh, for interviews. Um, and I think that the more people I can reach and you know show these methods and, and inspire, the better it will be because... I really needed that help myself back then, and like I said, I felt so lost. Um, so now I'm, I'm, I feel well. I, I have healed, and now I feel that I can go out and help people. 
And that is something that I would like to do for, for the rest of my life because I can see that I can help people with this book and these methods. Well, before we let you go, give us another example of uh, how you help someone uh, you know, through the, the methods in your book. Excuse me, what did you say? What was the last? Um, uh, give us another example of how you help people. You've given us one where the, you told a man to go to the beach and take some alone time. Give us an, another example. Uh, people are yeah, always... I can, give you, uh, I, I can give you an example. It was a woman, and she had been so busy her entire life, and she had done everything that her parents expected, that her surroundings, uh, her surrounding expected, and I told her to listen to her inner voice instead and do what she found interesting, what she would like to do, because she was so unhappy. And she couldn't understand why she was unhappy, because she said, I have a great job, I have a lovely family, but, but she, she just felt unhappy. So we worked on that, and I said, try to do something that where you recognize yourself, where you wake up in the morning and you feel good and you feel great about yourself. And it was very hard for her in the beginning because she kept saying, what will my parents say? What will my husband say? What will my friends say? And I told her, you have to set yourself free if you want to be happy. So she changed job. She, she was a, a business lady and she started to create art. And she, she say that she feel that she got a new life. And it took her a lot of time to, to get into this new direction. But now today she has success. And, um, and you can just see it in her eyes. It's not just a smile where, you know, it's just she, she smiles with her eyes. And it's so lovely. And I wish more people would do that, where they set themselves free and, and not think so much about what other people think about them. Well, can we just explore that a little bit? Because uh, it's, it's an interesting point. We all know many, many people who do things because it's expected of them and they, and they want uh, approbations from uh, other people, parents, husbands, yeah. wives, etc. cetera. Um, do, yeah. you, do you see that more and more in, in, in as this society um, I don't know. We, yes, we I, I tend think to think of it. You first. I think that. Oh, excuse, oh, excuse me. I think that people sometimes forget to listen to themselves and to listen to their inner voice, so they do all the things that they think people expect from them. But I mean, if I look at my friends and if I look at my surrounding uh, surroundings, I just want them to be happy. So if they want to work in a supermarket or if they want to start their own business or if they want to be a writer, I would be the first to say, do what makes you feel happy. And, and I think we should all do that. And I think we should start with ourselves and ask, why do I live the life that I live now? And could I adjust it so that I get a little more happy every day, so that I get a feel a little more free every day? And one year from now or two years from now, you can have a much better life if you do that. And you can adjust your life every day. And also, one of the things that I find inspiring is that we often knew what, what we felt good about when we were children. We didn't think so much about what, what does the surrounding things think about us. We played football or we, 
went to the beach and we ran at the, at the grass or we, you know, we did what we wanted to do. But then we grow up and we get adults and then we start to do what we think our surroundings want us to do. And I just want people to set themselves free because it gives them a much better life. You know that's a that's a great line. If I if I can repeat it, what you're saying is, you want people to be free to live a better life by by yes. listening to their inner self. Am I hearing you correctly? Yes, yes that is correct. No, that's a that's that a very correct. good uh, that's a very good razon. I think people will get. Yeah, you first. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, it's because the sound is a little late, so I, I'm sorry. Um, I just say, uh, say that I think that people will get way more life quality if they listen to the, themselves instead, and if they do things that makes them feel good and feel free and feel happy, and we can all do that. You're so right. You're so so right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, tell us yeah, your book again. You. It's okay. you, are worthy, you. Uh, and you are worthy and you can find it on Amazon. I, I wrote the book because I was in an accident and I found so many methods that can help people to get a way better life and it can also help them to heal some of them, their symptoms. So that is why I wrote the book. Uh, and uh, uh, let me ask you one more one more. Uh, question, yes. Jeanette. Uh, we're talking with Jeanette Kalvad. I hope I'm pronouncing it. Kildeveld. Jeanette Kildeveld. Yes. She's calling us from Denmark. She's a um, uh, really fascinating uh, woman um, who, who had a life-changing experience. Uh, have you talked to anybody else that's had a similar type of uh, experience and help them along. Yes, I have. I have spoken with a lot of people who who suffer from an injury, and it's 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 nice because I can tell them that there is a life after this. Because people sometimes, when they have been in an accident, they they are so afraid that their life ends or that they will always feel sad or have all these symptoms. And it's so nice for me to say, no, there's so much you can do yourself to heal and to to get a better life. Uh, Jeanette, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been yeah, a real and, pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. And it was so nice to talk with you. Well, I learned a lot. I hope our audience did as well. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it. Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella. 
Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great. And remember, small business is still the backbone of commerce.